I look forward to getting to know more all of you more after service in the uh, fellowship area. Amen. Privilege to have my wife with me. Amen. We uh, I've been married for just a little over six months. Amen. So we're still brand new at this. We're still learning, but I know life sure is a whole lot better having her travel with me. Amen. Helping me. It's, uh, I traveled for about three years close to that alone before I married her, traveling full-time preaching. And uh, I can just say it's a million times better not having to travel alone. Amen. So glad to have her with me. I um, want to apologize just briefly. Well, before I say that, let's turn to the book of Hosea, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. And then chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And uh, I'll give you some time to turn there. Book of Hosea, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. And then Hosea, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Amen. Um, apologize for our, our slight tardiness this morning. Um, life happens to the best of us. And uh, we had a, a, uh, a broken shower problem this morning. So... If you see third-degree burns on my body, don't, don't be alarmed. We'll head to the emergency after service. Uh, no, I'm just teasing, but it, it uh, just took us by surprise. So you can trust and be rest assured. We've definitely already prayed this morning quite a bit. Amen. Jumping in and out of that scalding hot shower that was broken. But we are here, and we're happy. We're blessed. Amen. such an honor to be here. Um, your pastor called me earlier this week, invited me to come. As soon as he called me and invited me, I just felt good about it. And man, I just felt obviously honored and privileged, but it just felt good. And even preparing for this service today, I just feel very positive feeling. I feel hope. And man, I feel that God's presence is with us today. It's going Amen. to be with us. Amen. And that God is going to work some miracles today. Amen. And man, I appreciate your pastor's spirit and your bishop's spirit, what they are doing here in Lathrop. Amen. Thank God for them. Thank God for an apostolic church here in Lathrop. Amen. 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 Well, if it is your custom to stand for the reading of the word, you can. If it's Amen. not, you can stay seated. Uh, Hosea 1, uh, verses 2 through 3, says this. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblium, which conceived, and bare him a son. You can keep that on the screen. I'm going to read it one more time in a uh, paraphrase. Um, it says this. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom. By forsaking the Lord, so he went to Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Amen. And now we will read uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, a prostitute. According to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an omer of barley and a half omer of barley. 
And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. Thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. Amen. Uh, I'm going to explain this, this, this further for those of us who are not familiar with the story of Hosea and of Gomer. But I really feel God wants to help us this morning and talk to some of us. And what I want to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost this morning is this thought. He can handle you. Amen. He can handle you. Yes. Amen. Yes. Now, if Amen. you're going to help me preach this morning, one more time before you're seated, would you lift your voice? Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands? Hallelujah. Would you make sure that God knows he's welcome in this place? Come on, can we remove any and every distraction from our hearts and our minds right now? Come on, if you know and believe that God can handle you, He can touch you, He can fix your situation, that's it. Why don't you let Him hear your voice? He loves to hear that sound. He loves to hear that faith and that confidence in Him. He, he loves, hey man, when we remove everything and put it aside and get in contact with Him. Jesus, let your perfect will be done. Jesus, let your spirit have free course and free reign in this place. May there be a demonstration of the spirit and the power of God in this house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Oh, that feels good. You're going to be pleased. Why don't you put your hands together before you're seated. And give Jesus a real big hand clap of praise. Oh, thank you, praise Thank you, praise him. seated this morning. Thank you for standing. Amen. What a beautiful touch of the Lord we feel in this house Hallelujah. today. How many feel the Lord here in this Amen. house? Come on. How many know it's not just me? Amen. 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 For those who do not know the story of Hosea and Gomer, let me, let me remind you of such a fascinating, unbelievable story that God was kind enough yeah. to leave in his word and put in his word for you and for I. There was a prophet named Hosea, and he, to make a long story short, prophet, prophets represented God to man. Their job was to represent the voice of God to men and, and, and to speak on God's behalf. And, and one day God speaks to Hosea, and he tells him, Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute. I want you to go marry someone named Gomer, someone who her whole life has been spent uh, 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 away, not only away from God, but in some of the most darkest, but some of some of the worst, some of the most painful pits, some of the worst places imaginable. And I want you to not only go find her, I don't want you to just go and talk to her and just witness to her. Hosea, I want you to go marry her. What, what an unbelievable thing that had to be going through Hosea's mind. And as we read the story, we find out that what this is, it's, it's a, I believe it's a real story. I believe it really happened. But it's also symbolic. It also represents God's relationship to Israel. Because Israel, the people of God, kept on leaving God. They kept on, as the Bible says, they went a-whoring after other gods. They, and in a sense, they prostituted themselves. They, they gave themselves away to deception and to false gods and to sin to trickery and mockery and they, 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 they put themselves willingly in some of the most darkest, worst places imaginable. Yeah. 
And, and, but, but, but God kept on going after them and kept on reaching after them and kept on trying to let the people of Israel know if, if you would stop doing this and if you would just turn to me, if, if you would just try me, if yeah. you would just let me handle you and fix you and help you, you wouldn't have to keep on going to this destructive right. stuff. You wouldn't have to keep on going through these cycles yeah. of sin and pain and hurt over and over. If you would just come to me, come I can handle you, Israel. I can take care of you. I can heal you. I will be your God. And you can be my people if you would just let me. I want to handle you. I want to heal you. I want to fix your dark situations. I want to heal your mind. I want to transform you from the inside out. Oh, hallelujah. But you've got to let me handle you. And so, and so God was giving this as a representation of him in Israel. God's heart was broken because time and time again, the people of God kept on leaving and they kept on sinning on. and they kept on doing dark things and unimaginable things and hurting themselves yeah. and hurting each other and hurting their families. And so this whole story is to give us a representation. It's to give us an image of God and his people, of God and you and I, of God and people that continue to run and sin and, and mess up and walk away from God. It's, it's an image to show us that God will never stop reaching for us, that God does not play with sin, God does not mess around with sin, but He certainly will always reach and He'll always pull and He'll always tug and His heart is always beating for you and His heart's always beating for me and He'll never stop reaching. The Bible says even when we make our bed in hell, God is still there. That's what this story tells us. God won't stop reaching. God won't stop pulling. God won't stop tugging at you. God won't stop telling you, hey, the you Life can be better. Why? Because he wants to handle you. He wants to help you. He wants to fix you. He wants to give you a new lease on life. He wants to set you free from your chains and your addictions and your problems. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In a nutshell, that's the story of Hosea and Gomer. But we have to remember it's a real story. Yeah. And, and, and can you imagine for one second what must have been going through Hosea's mind when he heard, excuse me, the voice of God say, go marry an adulteress. Go marry someone whose profession is prostitution. I don't know about you, and I, don't, I, I can't remember Hosea's potential age, but, but regardless of his age, whether he was young or old, someone that wants to get married, they've got dreams about marriage. They've got dreams about what marriage should be like and what they want it to be like. And, and, right. and no matter what's happened in their life, whether it's you or me or whoever, we, we all have that, that image in our mind of us walking with our spouse hand in hand on the beach. We, we all have in mind that image of, of just a, a pure and, and holy and loving relationship free of baggage or at least as much free as as much baggage as possible. And we all have these, these inclinations and these It's totally normal for us to want purity. It's totally normal for us to have those, those beautiful images of what marriage can and should be like. Yeah. And in one moment for Hosea, all of that at least seemed to shatter. All of that seemed to just dissipate as all those dreams he had about marriage and marrying that certain kind of person now all of a sudden was pushed aside yeah. and he was looking in front of him at a woman so full of pain and problems and baggage and it was his job to marry her and it was his job to fix her up and it was his job to love her. Yeah. 
I cannot imagine what must have been going through his mind. What he must have felt. And as the story goes, Gomer, because of what she had been involved in for so long, because she had been stuck in that cycle of sin for so long, just stay with me. She, 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 the Bible tells us that she kept on going back to her sin. She kept on going back to those pits. Yeah. And, and Hosea had to go search for her and find her. And where did he find her? He found her in the pig pen. Pastor Cameron, he, he found her in the pit. He, he found her in those brothels. He found her in those same places that she came out of. And yet again, he, he goes and grabs her. And that's the last thing he wanted to see his wife doing. And that's the last thing. he Because not just she was hurting him, she was hurting herself. And I can only imagine the agony. And yet he reaches out and he grabs her, pulls her out of the pit, and pulls her out of the stupor, takes her from the arms of, of, of people that don't really care about her, takes her from the arms of people that have probably been abusing her and puts her over his back and carries her back home where she belongs and keeps loving her yeah. and keeps loving her yeah. and keeps trying to hold her and yeah. help her. No matter how many times she squirms, no matter how uncomfortable she is oh. with that love, never used to feeling it before, but he just keeps loving her. Hosea just keeps loving her. He just keeps handling her. He just keeps touching her when no one else wanted to touch her, when no one else could help her, when everyone else left her alone. There is Hosea, and there is a representation of God handling and loving and holding. He can handle you, and he can handle me, and he'll handle the things about you that no one else wants to handle. He'll handle the things about you that no one else is willing to handle. And he kept on loving her and loving her, and she kept going back to the sand and back to the problem. And when I read this story, I thought, what, what, what my first thought when I read it is, what do you do with people like that? What do you do with people that, that their only mode of operation is self-hurt? What do you do with people that stay in these cycles and it seems like all they know how to do is just hurt themselves and harm themselves, even though, of course, deep down they don't want to? And I don't have Bible for this, but just 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 indulge me for just a minute. I, I just have to imagine that part of the reason that, that, that Gomer kept ending up in that situation, it had something to do with her upbringing. I, I don't see any other way around it because I, I would at least imagine statistically if she had the perfect nuclear family unit, if she had a, 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 a dad and a mother in her home that were loving her, that were treating her right and treating her appropriately, if, if, she had, if she had that perfect family unit, she probably would have never ended up in the prostitution business. Yeah, amen. Just, just look at statistics. She, she probably would have never ended up in that same cycle over and over again. But what is more likely is that she grew up in some kind of dysfunction. And so the dysfunction continued over and over and over again until all she knew was dysfunction. What is more likely is that Gomer had no reference points for anything good. What is more likely is that Gomer did not know what it was like for a father to come to her and say, Hey, I love you. You're beautiful, honey. You're, you're, you're awesome. You don't have to get your value from anyone else but God. You, you don't have to sell yourself. and you, you don't have to think that the only way you're valuable is by the attention of other males. No, you don't have to do that. You're beautiful. I love you. Yes. 
It's very likely she didn't have that in her life, but that all she knew was dysfunction. She probably didn't know what a normal home life was supposed to look like. She probably didn't know what it looked like to have a mom and dad hugging each other in the living room and holding hands and kissing each other, seeing that positive, godly display of affection and love. She probably had no idea whatsoever. No reference right. points. Right. Wondering how on earth can I do good when I don't even know what good is. When I've never even been shown what good is. When my examples of good have been very small and minuscule. Yeah. And it made me realize, Pastor Camarena, yeah. that this story of Hosea and Gomer, this story is very different from the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son is one thing. We love that story. And I love that story because I was one of those. I was a prodigal. I was one that walked away from the father's house in my teenage years and lived in all kinds of awful, rambunctious sin. But I was the one that was able to run back to the porch and see my, my father's arms open, see my, my daddy's arms open on the porch and take me back in and love me again and transform my life. I love that story because it's my story and perhaps it's your story here today as well. But with the prodigal son, the prodigal son, he had a reference point. All right. He had a reference point because he was raised in the father's house. He went out to the pig pen. He went out to the ditch. He went out to those sinful places. But the Bible says he came to himself. The only reason he could come to himself is because he had a reference point. He knew what a good home was like. He knew what a good father was like. So he had somewhere to run back to. He had the option. Okay, I'm sick of the pig pen. I'm sick of the sin. I'm sick of the slot. I know there's a good, healthy father's house for me. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to run there. And thank God that we have the father. Father's house. Thank God that we can run back to Him if we've left Him. If you're a prodigal, if you're someone that has shed away from God in this house this morning, you can come back to Him. You can run back to Him. His arms will always be open. He can still handle you and your problems and your mistakes and your flaws and your insecurities and your proclivities. He can handle you. He can handle you. He can handle you. The prodigal son story is beautiful. It's poetic. Maybe it represents just about every one of us here. But Gomer's story isn't quite as poetic. I, 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 I'm fine with preaching to everybody this morning. Prodigals, uh, some, maybe visitors that have never been here before, saints of God, whatever your status is. I'm fine. I want to preach to everyone. But let me just say this. Gomer's story was not quite as poetic because she wasn't a prodigal. She, she wasn't a prodigal. She didn't have the privilege of being a prodigal. A prodigal, as we said, is someone who starts out or at least some point has had experience in the father's house. A prodigal is someone with a reference point. A prodigal is someone that knows what good is and maybe had good siblings or a good aunt or good uncle or good guardians or good mom or good father. And so they have reference points for good. But Gomer is someone that did not have any of these reference points. Gomer's not someone that, that was able to grow up and get older and all of a sudden know what to do and carry herself through life. And Gomer was not someone that knew, yeah, you, you, you go to school and then high school and then you go to college and you get a good career and you be disciplined. Gomer was not someone that knew how to raise a child and show a child love. Gomer had none of these reference points. 
She didn't know what a home was supposed to be like. She didn't know what manners were, etc., etc., etc. This is somebody that never grew up in the father's house. Someone who cannot run back to the house because they had no house to live in in the first place. She can run to God and run to God's house, but she can't run back to it because she never knew what it was in the first place. While the prodigal son was living in the pig pen, Gomer was living in the whorehouse. While the son was running out of his father's money, Gomer was making money by looking for a father figure in all of the wrong places. So what do you do with these kinds of people? What do you do with these kinds of people that seem so hopeless? And it seems like nothing will work. It seems like nothing has worked. It's just been dysfunction after dysfunction after dysfunction. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I believe I'm preaching to at least one person this morning. And and you've wondered that yourself. What do I do with these kinds of people? What do I do with myself if I am one of those kinds of people just in a dysfunction? Dysfunction. How do you help them when they keep on going and hurting themselves? What do you do with these kinds of people? Come on. Amen. I remember praying about this sermon. I remember praying about this story when I first was reminded of the story of Hosea and Gomer. And I asked the question to God. What do you do with these kinds of people that stay in cycles of sin? What do you do with the people that self-loathe and despise themselves and hate themselves? What do you do with these people that Jesus deeply loves? And I just felt two words come into my spirit. Handle them. Handle them. Touch them. Love them. Handle them. Over and over and over and over again. When they keep on going to those places of sin, find them. Touch them and love them. Find them. Wrap your arms around them. Love them. Keep touching them. Keep handling them because they've never known what it was like to have that. They've never known what it's like to have a consistent touch of love. They've never known what it's like to be consistently handled in a loving way. Yeah, they might receive it once or two times, but they just think you're going to leave just like everyone else left. So you can handle them once. You can handle them twice. You might even handle them three times and love on them and touch them and they still go back to the pit. Why? Because there's other people that handle them. There's other people that maybe tried to help a little bit, but then they gave up on them. The one thing that you can do for these people is handle them, is love them, is touch them, and keep handling them, and keep touching them, and keep loving them, because that's what God does. That's the answer. That's the answer God made me. You know what to do, friend? You just keep handling them like I do. You just keep loving you just keep loving them. You just keep touching them. You just keep wrapping your arms. You keep on showing them what real love and what real grace looks like. Show them. Show them. I can handle them. I can handle them. I can fix them. No one else would touch Gomer. Who would touch a whore that had been abused over and over again? Not only who had been abused, but but, but who willingly volunteered herself to the abuse over and over again. The girl that no one wanted. The girl that no one could handle or keep straight. The girl that looked like she would give a 0% return on investment. Yeah, Hosea kept going after her. He kept handling her. God 
will keep going after you and keep handling you and keep touching you and keep trying to help you every chance that he gets. Yeah, you, the one that you thought everyone else gave up on. Yeah, you, the one that, that, that no one else wanted, the one that no one else could touch, the one that no one else could fix. Yeah, God wants to handle you. He wants to help you. He wants to touch you. He loves to handle you. I've come with a simple, simple message this morning. Just like Hosea, God will keep reaching at you. God will keep pulling at you. God will keep picking you up. Hear me, somebody. Please hear this preacher today. God will handle the mess of your life that no one else wanted to touch or handle. He'll handle the mess of your life that no one else wanted to touch or handle. He'll handle those areas, those areas that, 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 that you have hid from everyone else. He'll handle those areas that you have buried and that you have have you thought you dealt with them, but 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 really they're 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 just buried. You you haven't overcome them, you've just overlooked them, and they're still there in your spirit. God wants to handle those things. God wants to handle those deep hurts. God wants to handle those things that others may have done to hurt you and those things things that maybe you did to yourself. God wants to handle those sore spots. God wants to heal those sore spots. Come on. He's in the God of the healing business. He's in the God. He's the God of the delivery business. That's why I'm here. I didn't come to just sermonize. I came to see a demonstration of the spirit and the power. I came by God's grace to minister to somebody. I feel sent here by God to let someone know that he can still handle you. And he still chapter 5 verses 12 through 14 the Bible talks about a man that was full of leprosy the Bible says he saw Jesus and he fell on his face and he begged Jesus and he said Lord if you will if thou wilt thou canst make me clean and the Bible says Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying I will be thou clean if you're wondering whether or not it's the will of God for you to be healed and helped just know it's his will for you to be clean. 
It's his will for you to be whole. It's his will for you to be handled by him. Listen, lepers were people that literally had no feeling in their extremities. And all the places in their body where there was leprosy, they had no feeling. They were completely desensitized. These were people that who, who would continually hurt themselves without even realizing it because they were so desensitized. And these are the kinds of people that God deals with. These are the kinds of people that God loves. These are the kinds of people that God wants to heal. People desensitized to, to, because of sin and because of pain and trauma. People desensitized to what they're doing to themselves and what's been done to them because they've been hurt so much. People like a gomer. People desensitized by what they've seen and what they've been shown and what they've experienced. Those are the kinds of people that God loves to deal with. Don't you think for one second that you're exempt. You are exactly the one that God has sent me for. It is God's will to make you clean. I will, yes. I will be thou clean. Be thou made whole. Yes, 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 amen. No matter how numb you feel this morning, no matter how desensitized you feel this morning, you might even feel like, you know what, I want to feel the presence of God, but I'm not feeling all that much. Maybe you're desensitized to that point. Maybe you've just been so hurt and so much pain you can hardly feel anything. Let me tell you, you're the kind of person that God sent me for this morning. You're the kind of person that God sent me to preach to. Yes. And I believe by the time this service is over that you can feel the yes. presence of God, that you'll feel it in your heart and you'll feel it in your mind and you'll feel something you have not felt in a long time. Why? Because God's trying to show you that he can handle you and he wants to handle you. Hallelujah. He wants to fill somebody with the baptism of his spirit yes, this morning. Yes, he wants to show someone just how true this is. He wants to prove himself to you. Jesus loves to prove himself and show himself. And one of the best ways for him to prove himself to you is by filling you. Is by coming in on the inside of your heart by the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, filling your heart and your soul and your entire being. And if you've already been filled, but it's been a long time since you've had that supernatural experience of speaking in other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance, God wants to give that to you again. God wants to renew you in that. Why? Because he wants to show you that he can handle you and that he loves you. Amen. What greater promise of hope and, and what greater promise that he is going to help us and love us than when he comes in on a Sunday morning and begins doing supernatural things in our hearts, in our minds, and in our mouths. I want my wife to go ahead and come and prepare. I'm almost finished. You, you, you may have excuses this morning. Excuses about why Jesus can't handle you. And why Jesus can't help you. I know I certainly had excuses. I, I had excuses when I woke up on the front lawns after spending all night drinking at fraternity parties at 14 years old. Sneaking in and dancing with people. Uh, very much older than myself. I know what it's like to, to make excuses about why Jesus can't help me. And then when I'm taking that red cup and chugging it back over and over and over again. I know what it's like to make excuses about why Jesus can't handle me. When I'm breaking into people's homes and department stores and vehicles to steal things I can sell to make money. And to steal cigarettes and to steal prescription bottles out of people's medicine cabinets. I know what it's like to make excuses and say, well, all of this, Jesus can't handle me. Jesus can't help me. Jesus can't fix me. I'm 
I'm too far gone. All these thoughts I've had in my head, these dark places I've gone, these things I've seen and experienced and surrendered myself to and prostituted myself to and God can help me and heal me. No, no, no. I don't think so. I'm too far gone. I'm too far gone. God wouldn't touch me. God would never touch me. Amen. But the, the, the excuses we, we make to ourselves is, have you seen me? God, I mean, come on. Have you, have you seen this mess? Have you seen the mistakes I've made? Come on, you, you must have not been there last Friday night, God. You must have not been there that Saturday morning when I couldn't even remember what I did and who I was with and what happened. You, you, you must have been absent, God. There's no way you could help me. Who, who, me? With who I am, you can handle me and heal me. My scars, my lack of ability or talent, listen to me. God sees things differently than you or I do. God has completely different vision than you and I do. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he is no respecter of persons. In other words, Jesus is not a discriminator. He doesn't discriminate against you because of your background, because of your sin, because of your proclivities or whatever. He will take anyone. He will heal anyone. Oh, yes, I need someone to yes, help you right yes, now. Yes. He will handle anyone. Amen. He is not a respecter of persons. But he is a respecter of faith. And if you have faith this morning, if you believe that God can handle you, that's what will move him. That's what will touch him. That's what will change everything. This could be the day where everything changes for you. This can be the day where you feel for the first time. This can be the day where everything changes for you. But God, he, he remembers all that I've done. He remembers, he, he's seen everything. Okay, okay, if he has seen things and he was there the whole time, that means he's seen everything. 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 Every thought, every mistake, every lonely hour when no one else was watching, he was still watching. He remembers all that I've done. Every addiction, everything I did to try to fill that void, every mistake I made to try to heal the, the, the pain of loneliness. Yeah, God remembers it all. So you make the excuse, how can anybody touch me who has all that knowledge about me? But you have to understand, the memory of God does not work like yours and mine. God's memory is different than yours and mine. In the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 31, and in the New Testament, why don't we all stand? In the New Testament, Hebrews 8 and 12, you know what it says? You know what it says? These scriptures say that when we come to God, yes, sir. He will forgive us of our sins and He will remember them no longer. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31 and 34 and Hebrews 8 and 12 that God chooses to forget our sins when we give them to Him, when we repent, when we surrender our lives to Him, when we're saved. He chooses to remember our sins no more. Those things that you can't forget about, guess what? You give yourself to God, He'll forget all about them, honey, because the memory of God works different than yours and with mine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Then, in Psalms 9 and 12, you know what it says he does remember? 
He'll forget the sins. He'll forget all those mistakes. He'll, he'll forget all those addictions and problems if you surrender yourself to him, if you let him save you. But you know what he will remember? The Bible says in Psalms 9:12 that he remembers the afflicted and their cries. He remembers the sick and their cries. He remembers the hurting and their cries. Yes. You need to get a revelation this morning. When you come to him and give yourself to him, when, when, when you surrender yourself to him and live for him, God's memory, God's memory becomes the opposite of ours. Because we tend to forget the good things and only remember the bad things. Yes, that's true. Sin will haunt your memory far more than your good deeds. Amen. Sin will plague your mind and haunt your memory far more than the good deeds so you did. We all sell ourselves short. And we tend always to forget the good things we've done, the things God's done through us, and just remember the bad things. But God's memory, the Bible says, as we just read, is completely different. It's completely opposite. He remembers the good things that we forget, and he forgets the bad things that we remember. Yeah. He remembers the good things that we forget. He remembers those times when we got on our knees and prayed years ago and asked for help, and no one else, I, we, you don't even remember you did that. But guess what? God remembers because he, he hears the, the afflicted in their cries. All you can think about is every wrong thing you've ever done. And God says, if you just give yourself to me, if you just repent and let me save you, if you just let me fill you with my spirit, and if you, just, if you just let me cover you in my blood and baptize you in my name, I'm going to forget all those things that you can't stop thinking about. Yes, sir. Because the memory of God is so different than ours. He remembers... The good things we forget. He remembers the prayers that we pray. He remembers the prayers that we pray. He remembers the times that we called out to him desperate for help. He will forget all the bad things that all we can do is think about. Hallelujah. 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 God will handle the things behind the scenes. God will work behind the scenes. God is working even right now because he remembers your prayers when you've forgotten them. He will accomplish things that you never thought was possible because when you forgot, he remembered. He's still in charge. He's still handling us. When you thought he was God, he was still working behind the scenes. He was still leading you here. He was still helping you and drawing you and bringing you to a church in Lathrop on a Sunday morning to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody clap their hands and praise him right now. I'm done preaching, but listen to me, just, just, just 60 seconds. God is not saying that you have to get perfect before he'll marry you, before he'll save you. We're called the bride of Christ. When we get saved, it's like a spiritual marriage. And some of us think that we've got to get perfect before he'll marry us. But just like the story of Hosea and Gomer, that's not how God works. God's saying right now, in the middle of your dysfunction, he will marry you. And he will fix you through the marriage. He'll fix you through it. You, you think you've got to be perfect before you can pray? No. No, prayer is what will make you perfect. You think you've got to get all your ducks in a row before you can pray and lift your hands? No. When you pray and lift your hands, that's what gets things in order. That's what gets things situated. 
When you tell God that you can't be forgiven due to all of your sins and due to all of your mistakes, you know what God says? He says, is that all you've got? Oh, is that all you've got? Let, let, let me just remind you, did, did you happen to see what I did with Paul and Peter? Did you happen to see maybe what I did with a liar and a murderer, with someone that used to murder my people, Christians? How I turned him around on a Damascus road? Oh, oh, but you think I can't handle you. Oh, but you think I can't handle your problems and your pain on, and, 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 and your sin and your mistakes. I did a pretty good job with a murderer and a liar and all kinds of other sins and, and prostitutes and, and liars and cheats and tax collectors and adulteresses. I'm pretty sure I can fix you up too, honey. I'm pretty sure I can handle you. And that's what God's trying to say. He's saying, I can handle you. Is that all you've got? Oh, you're thinking about that sin right now in your mind. You're thinking about that thing right now in your mind. And God's saying back to you, is that it? Oh, I can take care of that. I can handle that. Yes, sir. I can heal that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I can save you and restore you. Amen. I've come to remind somebody that God can handle you, your situation, and anything you throw at Him. He can handle your sin. He can handle your demons. He can handle every one of your problems, saints and sinner alike. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's what I want us to do. I want us right now to lift our hands all across this house. I'm done preaching. I'm done preaching. Let's pray. Can we pray with one mind and one accord? Come on, if you're a visitor this morning, I, I, I want to implore you to just try him. Come on, I feel the spirit here. Why don't you just lift your voice and try him and see what God will do. He can handle you, sister. He can handle you, brother. He can handle you, sir. He can handle you, man. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just let our faith rise for a minute. He loves you. 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 He can handle it. He can take it. He can fix it. He can heal it. Yeah. That addiction that you've been dealing with for a long time. That fear that you've been dealing with for a long time. That sin you've been dealing with for a long time. That lie that you believe for a long time. He can handle it. He can handle it. He wants to. He wants to. If you would just let him. If you would just let him. Here's what I want us to do. If you're praying, keep praying. Keep the spirit of prayer in this place. Here's what I want us to do. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I know we don't have a lot of room in this place, but if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've never spoken in tongues. You've never, you've never received the, the Spirit of God and the, and the surety, the sign that accompanies it. I wonder if you'd slip your hand at me right now. If it's something you'd like to receive and you've never received that Spirit, I wonder if you'd lift your hand, slip it up high at me right now so I can see it. Hallelujah. Thank you for your honesty. If you never received the Spirit, you'd like to. Thank you for your honesty. That's so beautiful. Here's what I want us to do. I want to. I want to. I want to invite everyone to come. But because we have limited altar space, I want to make sure those that need the Spirit, especially never received it for the first time, can come and have room so we can reach them and pray for them. Amen. So here's what I want us to do. I want to invite everyone to come. But those that raised your hand because you've never yet received the Spirit, I want you, when you come, to come as close to the front as you can so I can pray for you. Can we do that? 
Can everyone come as a church and, and those who raise their hand, you've never received the Spirit. You've never spoken in tongues before. Can you come as close to the front as you can? God bless you for your faith. God bless you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. You've got nothing to be afraid of. That's beautiful. Yes, just lift your hands. Keep your hands raised. You've got nothing to be ashamed of. This is beautiful. Thank you for your faith. Thank you for your faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's what we're going to do all across this house. Those of you that came because you need the Spirit. Amen. Just listen for just a moment. Listen for just a moment. Amen. You can keep praying. I want you to keep your hands raised right now. Put your hands in the air. You never received the Spirit. Lift your hands. Put your hands in the air. Can you do that? All of us. Can we do that all across the house? Lift our hands. Close our eyes. What I want us to do right now is we're going to repent of our sins. We're going to tell Jesus we're sorry for our sins and that we don't want to live that way anymore. We're going to mean it from the bottom of our heart. I can't repent for you. Only you can from the bottom of your heart. Once you've repented, once you've said sorry, and once you've meant it from the bottom of your heart, all you've got to do is worship God. All you've got to do, listen, all you've got to do is thank Him for forgiving you. Thank Him for forgiving you. And the more you do that, the more you worship and pray. Listen. The more you worship and pray, it's like a glass filling up with water. And it fills up, and it fills up, and the tears flow, and you're praying, and you're worshiping. The glass fills up, and fills up, and then it gets to the top, and it overflows in the brim. And it will come flowing out of your mouth until you're speaking a heavenly language that you've never learned before. So right now, let's repent. And when you're done repenting, just thank Him for forgiving you. Just worship, and He will fill you with His Spirit speaking in other tongues. Right now, church, help us pray. Right now, let's repent. Let's clear ourselves of our sin right now. Right now. Right now. Right now.
and God's doing awesome things. But some of us still have some fear that God wants to help us with. Some of us still have some doubt and condemnation that God wants to help us with. So we're going to pray, not from a position of fear, but from a position of faith and confidence. What I want us to do right now, everybody, all across this house, I want you to keep your hands raised. That's it, my sister. That's the Holy Ghost moving all over you. That trembling in your hands and in your mouth, that's the Holy Ghost. Come on, right now. I want us all to lift our hands. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift your head. And right now, after I say in Jesus' name, I want you to just begin shouting the word hallelujah. That word means the highest praise. After I say in Jesus' name, I want you to lift your head, lift your hands, and shout hallelujah. Right now, under the power and authority of, of Jesus, under the authority of the word of God, in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, shout.
Touch these young brothers, God. Touch them today, God. Have your way in their lives. Come on, you talk to God from your heart. Talk to God with your own words now. Just talk to God. Your own words, okay? God, I need you. God, I pray you help me to be the, the young man you want me to be. Help me to be the young man you want me to be. Help me to be the young man that you want me to be. Help me to do your will, Jesus. God, I love you. prayed before? We pray every night. That's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. The pastor said, pray every, um, we should get a Bible. He said, don't buy us a Bible and we need to read 
that's so good. Yes, that's so good. Do you guys know that God loves you? Jesus loves you. And God's watching us right now. He is. Listen, I want you guys, every chance you get, especially at church, every chance you get, come to the front and lift your hands and close your eyes and pray. Because God wants to fill you with his spirit. God wants to. Every Sunday. Yes, that's awesome. He wants to come and live inside your heart. Isn't that great? And if you want to even pray more this morning, you can. We've got all the time in the world. You can lift your hands and you can pray, okay? This is the place of prayer. This is a place where you can get to know God and you can feel his love. And if you're feeling lonely or afraid or worried or scared, you can give all that to Jesus and he'll help you handle it. He'll take it away from you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Okay. Yes, or if you're feeling pain. Do you feel pain? No. Do you feel pain? Do you feel pain? No? You're good? No. Do you want it? Do you want it? Are you, did you come up because you wanted to pray? Do you want me to pray for you? No, not this morning. Do you guys, do you guys want me to pray for you? Or are you, are you, are you done praying? You want me to pray for you? Okay. What's your name, buddy? Abel. Abel? I'm Brennan. How old are you, Abel? Hey, can I shake your hand? I want to formally meet you. Say things like, I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That word hallelujah means the highest praise. It means I give you all of my praise and my worship and my energy. Isn't that awesome? Can you do that? I'm going to lay my hand on your head. You just close your eyes, lift your voice, and listen. You don't have to use your inside voice. You can you can speak louder. You can pray. You can use your outside voice in church. Did you know that? You can use your outside voice in church and not get in trouble. Isn't that awesome? Let's close our eyes. Let's just pray. And as you pray, I feel like you're going to feel something in your heart. You might even feel something in your mouth. If you feel a shaky or trembly feeling in your mouth, don't be afraid of that. That's just Jesus trying to speak through you. And the Bible says when we're filled with his spirit, we will speak with other tongues. We will speak something that we've never learned or understood before. It's like the language of the angels. It's an angelic, heavenly language. Isn't that awesome? Does that sound cool? Okay, Abel, let's pray right now. Just close your eyes and help me pray. Your outside voice, just, just tell him hallelujah, Jesus. That's it. I love you, Jesus. Just work, just talk to him. He wants to be your best friend, too. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I need you. Yeah, just talk to him. Just like that. You do that. Just close your eyes and talk to him. Close your eyes and imagine that he's standing right here with us. And just talk to him. I love you, Jesus. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's awesome, Abel. Yes, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I feel his presence right now. Keep talking to him. Keep talking to him. The more you talk to him, Abel, the more I feel his presence. Keep talking to him. Keep talking to him. The more you talk, the more I feel his presence. I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Oh, I love you, I love you, Jesus. That's beautiful. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me, Jesus. Yes, he's forgiving you. Thank you for forgiving me, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you. That's it. Just, just for a few more minutes. Don't worry about anything else around you. 
We're all praying with you. Let's just pray together. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. That's it. Yes, he loves you, buddy. No matter what you've seen, no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened, he loves you. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Touch my friends. Touch my friends. Thank you for all that you're doing in their life. God, make them into great mighty men, Jesus, for you, Lord. Hallelujah. Men of God, in Jesus' name, bless them, Lord. Wrap your arms around them. Let them know how much you love them, God. Let them know that every time they've ever felt lonely or afraid, God, you were there with them. Every time they ever felt confused, you were there with them. And now, now whenever they feel that, God, they can turn to you. They can give themselves to you. They can pray. They can lift their voice and talk to you, their best friend. And you can come down and help them in those moments. I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every moment of confusion and loneliness, God can help you with it. God will help you with it. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, that's beautiful. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can keep praying as long as you want to. Jesus is here with us. Do you feel something? Do you feel like you feel his presence? Do you feel feel something different? It's awesome. It's Jesus, buddy. He loves you. What do you feel like right now? Sure, you guys sound beautiful. 